<laughs> yeah. Oh, damn it. I should have been recording this the whole time. Yeah, that's okay. We missed that. Great sure. introduction. Hands up. Hands up for Blood Letter. Yay. I made this. You made it. And I you lost your this. teeth. I, I love the teeth. hat. Yeah. yeah, but I even lined it with purple silk. Wow. It's not really yeah. silk, oh. but a nicer yeah. kind of like got like, got like a Batgirl thing going. I didn't know you could sew so well. That's really that's really cool. Yeah. Hey, since you could sew, can we can we make requests and you'd make costumes to wear for us when we're doing our show? You should see my mowing one. Well, what about yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer's uh, Catwoman? Yeah, I would like to see Batgirl, please, or Power Girl. No. Well, you're not even you haven't even seen my mummy one yeah well i'm waiting because you're just gonna be doing me wrapped in show. toilet paper <laughs> i can't wait for that <laughs> no i don't have a mummy one this was the only one but i was like you know what let's talk about dracula yeah we're going to all right you betcha blah, blah. <laughs> oh, oh god i want to suck oh. your blood hey this is ralph sheepers and you're listening and watching to heavy metal horror I am Montag, master of illusion. What goes up must come down, but not always. And I am Chop Top instead. I am Bloodletter. Say it again. I, I am Bloodletter. <laughs> <laughs> and you. Are listening to Heavy Metal. Kitties, tonight we've got a really good show because you know what time it's getting to be? It's getting I know, I know, I know. What what do you know, Blood Letter? What time is it getting to be? It's almost Halloween. It's almost Halloween. <laughs> it is. It is almost Halloween. October's just around the corner. You know, and then like AMC and, and Turner Classic are gonna be showing like a month of monster movies and horror movies. It's the best time of the year. Yes. You know, candy corn galore and uh, candy everywhere, pumpkins. Cute girls in costumes. Yeah, yeah cute, right. Cute guys in costumes. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, I, I want some scantily clad guys. I had to say I that her blood them. letter. She was very upset mm-hmm. with Monster Party yes. Beach. Why are there mm-hmm. no guys like that? In speedos and dancing and shaking their thing on Look, the beach. If you mm-hmm. want to see some speedo action, I'll be happy to do it for you. But you can go fucking blind. <laughs> I want it on the film. Nobody I wants want to it, see this. I want it documented. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Don't say I didn't warn you. Then you go blind. <laughs> well, tonight, kids, we are going to be beginning a journey. Yeah. Very <laughs> Discussing Universal Horrors, Universal Studios Horror Monster movies. Uh, I can safely say that I know Chop Top and I have been fans of the Universal Horror movies since we can remember you know, being kids. I'm not sure about you, Bloodletter. Did you remember watching these when you were a kid? I do remember watching these, actually. Excellent. But I, I, cool. I, I never remembered the whole thing. So yeah, I'll get back to that later. It's some of the scenes and stuff like that. Cool. Okay. Yeah. What well, I used to watch this like late night on Hulahan and Big Chuck or on yes. Saturdays on Superhost or, you know, the Google sometimes. The first things that come to mind when I think of these universal movies is the scroll at the beginning, you know, the, with the universal sign on where they have like the plane kind of circling. Oh. Yeah. That, that made me really excited as a kid, you know, like I knew I was in for something exciting and, and some kind of treat. Yeah. These, these movies are just fantastic. And every time I watch them, no matter how many times I've seen them, I, f- I feel like I'm eight years old or something, you know, with right, my cousin right. and, and, uh, 
we had to stay up super late and make what we called biscuit pizzas, basically just canned biscuits with a little spoon of like spaghetti sauce on them, you know, nice. you know but for us, you know, at nine years old, like, yeah, we were, we're, a big we're deal. doing something big. It yeah. was cooking on our own and making the whole sheet of biscuit pizzas, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's my memories. Uh, Chop Top, what are your childhood memories of watching these Universal movies? Um, they were actually the springboard for everything that I remember of horror. You know, you fell in love with those iconic monsters that you're like, what is this? As a young kid, like, this is cool. They almost turned like weird to say like superheroes for you. Because um, you had, a, you know, of course you had your heroes and icons, you know, made music and stuff, but they were like the dark universe of heroes. Like you, you had that other side and you wanted more and more and more. And I think Universal, um, obviously, without Universal horror, uh, there'd be no horror today. That just needs to be said right off the bat. I mean, because they are iconic. And and the roles of some of them, we'll get them later, especially with Bella, tragic. But I think Karloff, I mean, really, just, he didn't have to do much. And we'll get to that film. But yeah, you, you can't separate horror. these names from horror. Lugosi okay. and Karloff. No. You know, and and... No, you can't. It's it's, it's yeah. inextricable from Universal, as Lee and Cushing is from Hammer. You just can't, right? Can't separate them. You know, they're just too too involved. In it. And then in the later movies like Cheney and things like that. But um, yeah, yeah, well, I'm right there with her there. Chop. How about you, Bloodletter? What what are your I think childhood? It, oh, sorry, Chop. Go ahead, man. I, I think it obviously it inspired, you know, the, the gothic scenery and stuff. And we'll get to in films It inspired, I think also to hammer studios, you know, it obviously gave them that springboard, you know, so you without universal, you never had it. And, and arguably go back to Nosferatu, you know, and you oh, yeah. say that, that, that silent film was really the beginning of all horror, mm-hmm. but for me, it was always universal and you know mm-hmm. holds a very deep place in my heart as a kid film. like the first the first filmed horror film was edison thomas edison frankenstein he was the one who invented uh, the technology oh so, really yeah he did a silent like a 13 minute version of frankenstein oh, wow. i think it came out like the oh, boy late 1800s okay something like that could be wrong on a date, but I'm sure Bloodletter's checking it out for us. Oh, but uh, no, 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 it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> but yeah, his was the first. But these are the first like commercial versions. And Dracula was actually a play; it was being performed as a play. I was going to bring that up. Yeah, well, that's when, when we get into that, right? But so Bloodletter, tell us since you watched yeah. these as a kid too, tell us what your broken. memories are. You know, before we start digging into these films, uh, what what do you remember as a kid? You know, watching these. <laughs> Um, well, you know, like my, my dad always made us watch all, all the horror movies and stuff like that. And it, as you, as you said too, you know, just between, um, the ghoul or, you know, um, super host, you know, we would watch them on a, you know, Saturday afternoon or whatever the universal monster ones. So, um, I always loved, uh, Frankenstein was always my favorite character. Cause I always felt so bad for him, you know, cause he was created and then, you know. In, in my child's eye, I was like, oh, you know, and then, he, you know, they were just chasing him around town and it was just awful. And, oh, he's such a good guy. Mm-hmm. But then when I rewatch it and I see the scene, like after him and the little girl are talking and she's like, look, I made a boat, you know, and then Frankenstein picks her up and tosses her in the pot. <laughs> Well, that scene was removed for a long time. You want me to talk oh, about okay. it? And that was cut. Oh, okay. And that was brought, it was when it came back out in the restored version, when they, when the, the Universal brought out all their movies and remastered them and put them out on DVD, then Blu-ray, uh, that scene was put back in. Um, just like they did with some of the scarier, more graphic scenes in King Kong. You know, when that scene from Kong, when he's climbing the empire state building uh there's a scene where he reaches in and he thinks it's it's Faye ray's character and it's actually a different woman uh and then he uh he just throws her down throws her off of the building you know under the ground um so they they cut that out and there's a yeah and a couple scenes like in the before they brought him back where he like steps on people and things like that and squishes Mm -hmm. them but yeah i'm looking forward to 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 discussing frankenstein even more i it's i think of of 
I think Frankenstein has the best the series as a whole. I think the Frankenstein movies are really successful. So, well, let's begin with uh, with Dracula, um, mm-hmm. nineteen thirty one. Oh. This was the you know the pre-code uh, movie uh, directed by Todd Browning, who is a fantastic director, if you're not mm-hmm. familiar. He also did the movie Freaks, a really mm-hmm. controversial movie. Yeah. And I remember based, that. Yeah, yeah. And based on a stage play <laughs> and and based on the novel by Bram Stoker. Um, have oh, either of you read the novel? No, Dracula? I have not. No, you know, really, I, I'm ashamed. I have not. I, I tried to get through it, and it was just like, this is a diary of Jonathan. I'm like, uh, I just, I, I, I couldn't get through it. But no, I appreciate it. It's, it's a master of work of literature, obviously. And uh, yeah, I, I, I need to revisit it. I mean, it's okay. yeah, it's, it's awfully boring. I tried reading it. Cause it's one of those seminal books, you know, you're supposed to be able to read it and right. Oh, it's boring as fuck, <laughs> you know? And, like, uh, why am I right? It's, it's, it's letters back and forth, diary entry, you know, journals, entries, and diary entries. And, and I, you know, at the time when it was published, I mean, 1897, I think, I think the pace of things is a lot different. And people were more excited to take the journey. And because it was a, a novel really ahead of its time, um, you know, they were, the expectations were different. But, you know, I, I think right. Frankenstein is a much better book, but we'll get to that when we, when yeah. we talk to it. So, yeah. uh, ba- Blood Letter, do you have like any nice background? You always do such wonderful research for us. Do you have any good background about anything? Oh, no, it's okay. I, Not of these movies. Well, then that's fine. Then we'll Just talk the about Omen. It. Oh, okay. Oh, you spoiled it. Spoiler alert. Ah, spoiler <laughs> It's all for you, Blood now, now you have to dance for us. Sorry, that's that's for <laughs> Would you dance for me? I dance for me. I dance wings for up. so hard. <laughs> wings up. Throw the lotion on its skin or it gets the hose again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you know, Dracula was actually pretty successful and it spawned all of these movies really because it was a critical success and commercial success universal said well fuck let's let's make more of these because you know um it it makes money for us you know and the the cast is amazing we've got this wonderful cast you have bella lugosi as count dracula and lugosi had been doing stage and you know theater acting for a long time before and he was doing dracula on, on the stage when as you know before he shot the movie so he was quite comfortable with the part and he really right establishes this iconic dracula figure you know with the cape and i want to drink your blood you know that accent yes yeah, yeah. see and blood letters doing it right now <laughs> i prefer blood letter if a vampire if a vampire is gonna get oh, me it's gonna be no. blood letter. no i'm kind of lazy i'm like <laughs> i don't want to suck your blood sorry you know we'll puncture the wound you know just i'll just squeeze it out of you that, you know <laughs> well that's fine i'll take jump that. on your belly and pulsate it out you know oh, and then collect God. it in a jar and you know now we're talking I don't like to work too hard for my food. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm like marble prime beef, you know, like I'm a, you know, I mean, I'm a big slab of Wagyu. You know? So you're going to be drinking like, hmm, that's not that diet shit I've been eating. My God. You know, you know what got me full, on? Full-fledged, heavy-set blood. Go ahead, Chop. You know, I'm sorry. You know what got me was... Um, uh, Bella Gosi could never live down that role. Matter of fact, it was always typecasted. Yes. And, and such a tragic ending. You know, he hooked up with Ed Wood. He was addicted to you know, morphine or something at a time and, and passed away from us. But I believe he was also buried in his, his cape. And Yeah, and, he, yeah. he kind of embraced it. And uh-huh. he, the last movie he did, Plan 9 from Outer Space, um, well, it wasn't even supposed to be a, a movie. It was just, you know, he, they were shooting some footage uh, with Ed Wood, and he just spliced it into making it yeah. into a movie. Um, but, yeah, they, he, he wore his cape, you know. Um, I like the yeah. gothic settings also uh-huh. of uh, Dracula's Castle. The sets. I think those those inspired that that stands out to me in the film the most. Yeah, and also I like the the reworked version montag that you talk about with uh, 
the symphony behind it. Oh, okay. there's no music. There's no music in that original. No, uh, very little. Oh. Um, very okay. little yeah. music. Yeah, and yeah, the sets are gorgeous, and the sets were used actually for both the English version and the Spanish version. They both used the same sets because there's a Spanish version okay. of Dracula as well. Um, I mean, this is not the first version of Dracula, as I'd mentioned. You know, Thomas Edison, but the, we also cannot forget Nosferatu um, by you know F. W. Murnau, 1922. So that. That, that was based on the novel, Bram Stoker's novel. And actually, I see that Bram Stoker's widow sued uh, them for plagiarism and copyright. And then the courts decided in her favor. So, wow. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. But yeah, the set, especially Dracula's Castle, it is stunning. It is atmospheric and yeah. creepy. And there's, you know, this, the kind of fogginess in it and all the, the cobwebs, you know, and some people will laugh like there's a possum, I think, running around as like a giant rat. And and some people will look at the, the, the scritchy little spider going up the wall. But uh, I think it's a beautiful set, you know. Yes. Bloodletter, what do you think? I like the sets, too. I mean, you know, um, for the time that they were doing it and everything like that, I think they, they did a, a fantastic job. And I, I don't know if I should uh, admit this or not, but I'm like, admit it. Out of the out of Frankenstein, the Mummy, and Dracula, I'm like, I thought Dracula's kind of story just wasn't as good as Frankenstein and <laughs> we'll get to that. The Mummy. We'll get to that. Hey, yeah. all right. Isn't yeah, that horrible? Was it horrible. too slow? Or, was it too slow or something? Or what was it about that you well, thought? You know, it was just like, oh. We killed Dracula, and you know, I, you know, that's you're, at you're the thinking, end. Did you watch the whole of the movie until the end, or just the last yeah. three minutes? Oh, I watched the whole. Yeah. <laughs> hey, this movie's only three minutes long. Mark, why can't you make a movie like this? I'll watch, well, I kinda, I'll watch it. I'll watch it 30 times. Fall, like these podcasts, I kind of fall asleep in the middle and just wake yeah. up, and I was like a blank yeah. slate, and I'm like, what's going on? Right. And then I'm like, oh, they killed Dracula. Yeah, well, well you have awoken you have awoken us with your uh, costume, so yeah. we're we're not asleep, far from it. So Dracula rises. <laughs> Did you know that five thousand people identify as a vampire? Well, hmm. I remember, or should I say, four thousand nine hundred and ninety nine other people identify yeah. as vampires? I have a great vampire right. story from one hmm. of my friends. I don't want to name him because it might get him into trouble, but he I was hanging out with some people who claimed to be vampires. And this one guy was kind of getting in his face about how he's a vampire and he can't be hurt. And so my friend took out a knife and slashed his arm. <laughs> and the guy's like, oh, oh scream like, what did you do? He's like, I'm proving to you that you're not a vampire, you fuck. And the, the guy just ran away crying. I'm like, there you go. Not so he didn't regenerate or anything? Nope. He just cried. Mm. I kind of love you know, that I story. Think, guys, I want to talk also about uh, Dwight Fry as Renfield. Uh, yeah, Renfield. Guy. Yeah, Dwight Fry does a fantastic job. I mean, that <laughs> he really steals the scenes that he's in and the whole like yeah. the bugs and that mania, that kind of neurotic um, yeah. you know, mania. Yeah. yeah, go ahead, Chop. Tell, what do you think? Well, no, I, I, I read that and he he uh, held on to, there was this heart condition he had and um, he kept it from his family, friends. And in 44, I believe, he passed away from that. Oh. See, I always heard that, I heard rumors that he actually went insane absolutely by doing this film. Oh. And, you know, there's some rumor behind it. And of course, the Ballad of Dwight Fry by Alice Cooper. You know, okay. kind of, it makes you really like buy into that. But when I read more yeah. up on it, he had this heart condition that, uh, yeah, he kept secret, and unfortunately, it took his life. So. Wow. Well, because he also plays in Frankenstein. He's he's Fritz. Yeah, he's Fritz. Fritz. He's the yeah. he's the the Igor character who will become known as Igor, and he plays a psychotic right. in that too. He, he kind of specialized in those neurotic, borderline psychotic characters. But yeah, he really steals the show. I mean, when you think about who else has played him in other variations of Dracula, like in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Um, you know, you've got Tom Waits playing him, you know, and he's just, just, just loves, you know, drinks in that role. And, uh, it's a great character. Right. You, know, you have to, yeah. you know, um, and, and although we'll talk more about that later, that was another movie that 
the Bram Stoker, I think, borrowed some of the lush, you know, nods to this version, the original version of Dracula, by making everything so lush. Um, because the film is a quiet film, but then the costumes are gorgeous. I mean, Dracula's wives are wearing those kind of those gowns, the way they look, their pallor, and the way they move is really slow, kind of you know, dead. And um, you know, the film, the film has a it's a gorgeous looking film. You know, in a lot of ways, uh, yeah. but it's 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 slow film. It's it's not going to be in your face. It's not trained to Busan. You know, it's it's a movie that's my God, uh, ninety years old. It's still yeah, holds up as right? a classic. You know, of, I mean, and I, I think, and also, and another role is great was Edward ba- Edward Van Sloan as Van Helsing. Mm-hmm. He yeah, that, he was, that was great. Yeah, like the first confrontation. You know, he's right there. It was like, mm-hmm. that was classic. It's great. Yeah. So, and Francis Dade is Lucy. You know, Lucy's a great character. Um, she's always this kind of flirty, naughty character. Dracula seduces her, um, you know. And whereas, as Mina, Helen Chandler, Mina is more the pure kind of character, the, the woman who is a t- you know, really basically a, product of her age of what a woman was supposed to be you know and and lucy was more the daring proper you know, and everything else yeah and yeah, yeah. she's the antithesis of that yeah. yeah but but the vampire in this in this movie i mean a lot of what we think is pretty tame stuff for now back then you know dracula like showing up in her Literally. bedroom and going in there and like biting her neck and sucking on her uh that was that was really controversial first time and it was very sexual i mean i mean this started the whole notion of the sexuality of the vampire and part of it perhaps because of the seducing the the seduction right and the idea of of being bitten and then having the you know you have to welcome or invite the vampire in and then they're just gonna you know do this kind of thing uh to yeah it's a very very sexual kind of thing and and where they bite too it's also very sensual you know the neck um it's usually the neck and that's a very sensual spot so when you bite us blood letter just know it's very sensual right here <laughs> um you think yeah yeah we're gonna stick like a big but, giant pipe uh, in your gut and pump it out right yeah can i get a hose yeah <laughs> but I, yeah but I know yeah. in uh, other Dracula films, Montag, there was uh, a lot of times around the breasts, the woman. So, of course, as, as oh, time yeah. had progressed mm-hmm. and stuff, I like Dracula 1979, I believe, yeah. um, had that. And yeah. what a wonderful film that is, too. Yeah. And the, the um, sexuality was amped up in the hammer stuff, which will, you know, yeah. Get to oh, yeah. That's oh, where I saw God. my first cleavage. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> Good boobies. I I like Dracula movies with boobies. <laughs> that was just like last oh, yeah. week. I was saying that. So you know. yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's some hotties in that. Yeah, that I know. Yeah, Ooh. yeah, and and uh, right. So you know, Dracula for all of its horror that's built around this myth, it, it's it's bloodless. You we see the staking of Dracula. I think it's off camera. We hear the, we hear it the, is. you know, we hear the, the mallet being hit down. That's something that hammer really brings to gory life. You know, in their films, you see the blood yeah. gushing up. Yeah. Um, but so much of this is done off camera in a way. And I think, I think that's part of its strength in a way. We don't see the full seduction. It's left to our imagination. And like Lovecraft always says, you know, there's more to your imagination than if you see it, it's not nearly as scary as what your mind can make make it and that's what i and that's what i like about these films and the older films and stuff like that and um they let you use your imagination of what is happening behind the scene because you're so curious you're just like i want to know what is it you know Mm -hmm. and so then you just come up with all these scenarios in your head and um so i do like the i do like the films that make you use your imagination more the horror ones than you know than the nowadays where they're always blood and guts in your face. Well, it's always jump scares, you know, nowadays, Yeah, you know, and it's like, you already know it's coming, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's there's foreshadowing before it. There's that music or whatever, you know, there's a jump scare coming, but with this, it, it's a thinking man's kind of films. You know, I, you're still I, thinking, Oh, Oh, but I know what's happening. I'm hearing this, but I can't see it. So mm-hmm. 
I did have a little jump scare when he pulled up to the castle and then the carriage driver wasn't there anymore. I was like, oh, where'd he go? I like right, that yeah. part. That was a good yeah, part. That's good. That yeah. was good. I was like, oh, where'd he go? Because he's like, what? I don't know where my uh, suitcase is. <laughs> Everything just, just kind of disappeared. I don't know. And then I yeah. looked at your um, castle and uh, was I in the right place? I don't know. That's exactly, what, yeah. that's exactly what he said, word for word. I kid you not. Watch the film again. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> well, now that Halloween's coming, I mean, I have all these movies. I have the box sets, you know, from, from years ago, over 20 years ago. They released them all on these gorgeous box sets. And um, so I'll definitely go and, and watch them again. It's like a yearly thing. You know, they're just. I'm going to have. Oh, sorry. Oh, I'm gonna, I, I want to watch them with my baby Jackknife and Calamity, you know, and I want to see yeah. what they think of them. But Jackknife, she was busy this weekend, so I, okay. I didn't get to watch the films with her. But I was hoping I could so I could yeah. give you a 12 year old. Oh, perspective i watch yeah, them with that's, you that's great if you yeah, want to watch them together i'll perspective i'll watch yes. them with you seriously yeah, yeah. And she's, oh, i love that she has my sense of humor oh that's fantastic i have to be careful what i say there we go yes i have to really be careful about what i say <laughs> but i want i want to show yeah, uh, yeah. i want to show baby jackknife the yeah these films and see what she what she thinks excellent as well yeah, yeah great brother yeah, all right for that that'd be fun yeah Mm-hmm. Well, shall we move on to Frankenstein? Yes. Yeah. Also, nineteen thirty-one. It came out really quickly after Dracula did. Uh, this is directed by James Whale and, and produced by Carl Lemley. James Whale was a fantastic director. He did a lot for Universal. He also did The Old Dark House and The Invisible Man and The Bride of Frankenstein, all of which we will be talking about uh, in future shows. And this was based on Mary Shelley's novel frankenstein or the modern prometheus which came out in 1818 so give it out for mary shelley 200 year old novel um now have any of you either of you read frankenstein i have not not really I'm a reader very well aware I, I do think, letter i do think that if i believe montag this was based on she had a nightmare right this was based on her nightmare it, it's very you know, possible um i don't I don't know. I know that they were sitting around like it, you see at the beginning of this origin in the beginning of Bride of Frankenstein, which oh, we have yet to right. visit. You'll see how this story came about. Um, but yeah, Frankenstein, Mary Shelley's novel is much better, much more exciting than right. Bram Stoker's novel. And the, the, the first version, movie version that really captures the novel as it is written is the Kenneth Branagh's Frankenstein. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, that one, and then there's, well, there was one that actually came out on TNT, the, 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 the station TNT. Yeah. They, they came out with a Frankenstein, I want to say late nineties, maybe 97. And that was made for TV. Uh, I also love, yeah, that's, you know, the, I one. Also that's love, the one. I, I love the Robert De Niro one. Yeah. That, that's the one. I that's the Kenneth that was Branagh well done. One. Okay. That's the one with Kenneth Branagh. Yeah, his Robert De Niro yeah. as the monster. Well, the was... TNT one is really accurate. I think it stars Randy Quaid actually as the monster. Yeah, I did yeah. see that. Yeah, and that Who's starts good? at the starts at the North Pole, just like the novel does. Ends at the North Pole, you know, and that shows an articulate Frankenstein. Yeah, there you go. That was the Edison one. Yeah. Yeah, that's that, 1910. Yeah. and Frankenstein in the novel, wow. he can speak. He's much more articulate, and you know, Frankenstein, unlike don't even like Dracula. Frankenstein has this sympathetic character, you know, that we'll get to in a little bit. But so we, basically, the story is, um, you know, if you've never seen it, Doctor Frankenstein. This is why the movie's called Frankenstein. People often misname the creature Frankenstein. Uh, it's about a doctor, Doctor Frankenstein, who's just obsessed with life and s- experimentation. He digs up corpses and body parts, and then creates this hodgepodge patchwork creature name is the creature monster and this creature is it's kind of like a blank slate he was, he was hoping to put in a, a, a brain of someone who was smart and his helper fritz right. drops the brain <laughs> and damages it and brings an abnormal brain so the creature is born with this criminal brain it's tormented you know by fritz with fire is afraid of fire and so fritz torments him and then the creature just gets out and this is where the you see 
in a way the empathy or sympathy for the creature. There's a term in the study of horror, it's called romantic isolation that we'll see in a lot of these movies, where you see the monstrous in the human and the human in the monster. So, and you identify with that. And so in Frankenstein, we see the human in the monster. Here's a scary monster. But as you had mentioned, Bloodletter, the scene at the pond. This yeah. is a scene that some, some people look at, oh my God, what a horrible thing. But here we see f- this innocence. Frankenstein does have, you know, doesn't know what's going on he's just doesn't know what's happening to him he's just born can't understand you know and all he wants to know is really like make connection with his creator you know why did you make me and is kind of hounded and and doesn't know what's going on and so that scene really shows his innocence because they're throwing little flowers onto the pond well then also too when he grabs the flowers from her hands he kind of like strokes her hands Mm -hmm. and then you know he grabs the flowers and he looks at the flowers and he throws it in there. It floats like a boat. And then he looks at his hands, you know, he's kind of like, you know, my hands aren't like hers. Mm -hmm. And then he's just like, it's like every time he looks at his hands, you know, he's going to do something bad, you know, and he looks at his hands. Yeah. Hands up. And he just Mm -hmm. picks up the little girl and shovels her. Right. Right. Um, (laughs) Yes. Cause that, Right. The first time I saw the movie, it never had that scene. You just see the man carrying the girl back into the town. You know, he's got her in his arms. Hey. She's dead already. You know, you know, you know, Montag, you touched on that. The, um, the humanistic thing, the, the motive. And what's so impressive about Karloff's role is he didn't have to. Obviously, there was many words he said, but just in his expressions and different things, you know, these mm-hmm. subtle nuances that happen throughout the film, you're like, God, I really feel for him. And, and also, it was like, he did not ask to be creative. He didn't ask to be part of anything. And um, and he's just self-discovery, and everybody just labeled him as a monster. And how many times can you go in life and you see examples of this in real life? Mm-hmm. That people don't ask for this kind of life, but they're labeled. They're misjudged. They're, whatever. they're thrown and, into it. They have to deal with it the best way they can. You know? Right, right. Yeah, and, yeah. And unfortunately for Frankenstein, you know, because he causes death and people don't quite understand, you know, you have this, this sense of where he's going to be hounded by the mob. Um, but there's also the criminal side kicks in. There's, there's the angry creation who's angry at his God and demands answers. And it's like, you tormented me, God. So I'm going to find a way to torment you. Punish you. It's yep. yes. And it's much darker because I mean, because Frankenstein, Henry Frankenstein is going to be is engaged to Elizabeth Labenza. Uh, you know, that's his fiance, and they're going to be married. And what does Frankenstein do? How does he how does he uh, deal with the situation? Bloodletter, can you help us? You just watched this. Oh, he's like, I'm going to go kill the monster. He wants to get rid of it. Well, but what is the he's monster, like- the creature? What does the creature do when he when he comes back to Frankenstein's house. Frankenstein is getting ready to be married. How does how does the creature in, in, interfere with all that? Well, he goes kind of <laughs> doesn't he go to his wife and he was like he was going to hurt his wife? Like didn't he throw her or something too? He tossed her. You just watched it. You just thrown all ladies. I can't remember. That was <laughs> Well, the question is is the monster the creature or the creator? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Because in, in in the if I'm remembering that correctly, that goes on there is like you really question as the movie goes on. Like, is really is Doctor Frankenstein the monster yeah. or is Frankenstein? And it's it's Frankenstein's hubris. You know, I mean, there's a line like, "Now I know what it feels like to be God." You know, mm-hmm. and it's all about mm-hmm. his ego and and when he makes something live again. And, and so there's this hubris to Frankenstein that inevitably kind of brings about a type of doom because in the book, I think in the, am I remembering correctly? And then I know other film versions have this now too, where Frankenstein shows up and kills, kills his fiance. I mean, he's like, yeah, I'm going to kill all your members of your family. <laughs> he does it very <laughs> graphically and Kenneth Branagh, he does it very graphically. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. kill them all. And, and cause you know, I'm going to hurt you back. God, that's exactly it. 
Um, and that, that's kind of one thing I really love about this character. It's a very identifiable character that you, the romantic isolation kicks in when you see the innocence of this poor creature, more so in Bride of Frankenstein. You will see more of that. In this movie, yeah. Karloff really just kind of grunts and emotes, but he has so much feeling in his eyes where he's just kind yeah. of emoting and the little soft grunts, almost like, like a puppy, you know, kind of or yeah. kitten, just quiet. Newborn. Just a newborn. Yeah. yeah. And that really comes across, even though he's terrifying, you see that sense of innocence. Um, and then later as he turns into the monster side and he wants his revenge, then it becomes really scary, you know, mm. and because right. he, yeah. he knows he's going to go out and he begins thinking and planning. You realize the creature has, has a brain, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, right. I mean, you know, and, and then he mob- tosses Frankenstein out the window too. You know? oh, yeah. So he loves to toss people. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think in the Universal film it ends differently though. Well, who doesn't I, like a good toss off, right? So right, right. Well, I think, he did. I think... He did. He tossed him out the windmill. Right. Oh, and, yeah. and he. Oh, was he that like, Oh. Yeah. He I guess tossed so. Doctor Frankenstein off the out of the window of the windmill, oh, okay. and he bounced before off before the, the mob got there. Yeah, before they burned the windmill down. Right. right. Yeah, and oh, he bounced right. off the blade, and then he. Right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All they needed was that sound effect from that goofy cartoon from from Disney when he's skiing. <laughs> Yo, that'd have been great. I'll make a version. I'll put that in there. That'd be awesome. Yes, do it. Yeah. We, we need to read up Frankenstein. All of us. Yeah. We need to we need to do our own version of Frankenstein. That'd be awesome. That would be great. It would be hysterical. Yeah. Out of all out of all these films, uh, we're discussing obviously just three, and it'd be Universal Horror. Kid. This is my favorite. I just I identify with him. I relate to him. There's that emotive presence of Karloff, like you said, Montag, and just there's there's no dialogue, very little grunts. It's just like you really feel as the movie goes on for the creature. You really and you start you start to feel like I hate his creator, like what mm-hmm. he's done. How dare you like play Fritz. God? It goes that God complex too. We can mm-hmm. get into much more with that. You yeah. know, playing God and you're bringing, you know, death into life. And like, right. how dare you? You're not God. You know, yeah. so, yeah. Love letter, you, what'd you say? I said, I, I didn't like Fritz. He was a total instigator. Yes. Like, Fritz is know, an and, asshole. Yeah. And it's, it's like, yeah. uh, you know, he doesn't like fire. Just keep the freaking fire away from him. You know? Right. But Fritz right. is the tormentor. Again, wonderfully played yeah. by Dwight Fry. You know, yeah. playing this psychotic, and like a lot of it happens under the not so watchful eye of Doctor Frankenstein. You know, he's just off doing his other thing, and he's like, "Okay, take care of him." The door closes, and then Fritz like, "Okay, here, Frankenstein, I'm going to fuck with you a little bit, monster." You know, and so that, is he jealous? Uh, of Frankenstein, know, they, they, and they bring that character in later version, later movies in this series, um, which I. I really love, I think of all the series, I think this one's the most successful, but they, they bring that else element up where the, the hunchback wants, you know, the Igor character played by Bella Lugosi um, wants his humbug removed and put into a different body. And, you know, they, they kind of bring that up down the road, but in this one, I think it's just because, you know, I don't know, he's just an asshole, but he's yes. played by great by Dwight Fry. And the cast is wonderful. Colin Clive plays Henry Frankenstein. Um, yeah. And the beautiful May Clark plays Elizabeth, um, and she's, I loved her wedding gown. Yeah, yeah she's she's yeah. a hottie. She's a hottie man. Um, yeah, totally. I I love the '30s movies. I love the Art Deco. Again, beautiful sets. Frankenstein's laboratory, and the the yeah. Frank, the house of Frankenstein, which he lives. All these gorgeous sets. Yeah, they're, you know they're just beautiful. Um, I mean Karloff as the monster. At this time, they would just used his last name Karloff. You know, as the monster. Yeah, you know, he's just the makeup was staggeringly frightening for the time, and it's still creepy. I mean, it's a great image, it, the, the yeah. flat head and the electrodes. You know, and the story goes that when they were filming this, people were so upset when they were filming this at Universal Studios. When they would go break for lunch and something, Carlos had to kind of eat with a mask or a towel over his head because people were freaked out by his makeup. I read that. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. I saw actually a still of it. He had a towel over his head. And one thing, and he's eaten yeah. all set. Yeah, and the other cast is great. Lionel Belmore, Herr Vogel, the Burgermaster. He's mm-hmm. he's got some funny lines. He's he's pretty funny. You know, the little girl is Marilyn Harris. I'm not sure what she went up to do. Yeah, she disappeared in some in the 30s and 40s, but 
she's uh, little Maria, the uh, the the not so floating floater. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I'm like she should have been able to swim. Yeah. Now, okay. Bloodletter. He does get. You know, Frankenstein does get thrown out of the of the windmill. But at the end of the movie, I, that's why I remember it, Castle Frankenstein. Henry's father is there with him, mm-hmm. celebrating the wedding of his recovered son with a toast to a future grandson. So apparently, the, that vein where he hits the the windmill that was purposeful. That's what saved his life. So because oh, some know. of the villagers who were there bring him home while the rest of the mob sets the windmill ablaze with the monster trapped inside. A horrible way to go. Yeah, and the, you know the great uh, the burgermeister. He's like eighty years old, and he's like, "I'm going to do this thirty year tradition." And you know, in thirty years, I hope you have a son. You know, and I'm right. like, "How old is this burgermeister?" You know, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I I, I just uh, again, this movie does high class across the board as far as universal horror, and it's just out of all characters and the universal creatures icons. This is the one that I think most people can gravitate to because yeah. that humanistic, mm-hmm. because of everything we discussed about that dichotomy between good and right. evil and, and how we're viewed in this world and how we're not viewed and what yeah. we want to get, you know, uh, not vengeance, but we want to get, uh, you want to get answers. It's a human nature because we want to know why are, why are we here? Who, who created us? And it's so that metaphysical questions that we ask. Very philosophical know. movie. Yeah. To be really and and, and it's, it is hard. It, it certainly is. And when you look at the the movies that follow in this franchise, I mean, the next movie is Bride of Frankenstein, then Son of Frankenstein, Ghost of Frankenstein, and House mm-hmm. of Frankenstein. You know, when you compare to the other universal block movies, I think this one has the most legs, the most teeth. Dracula has some good ones, but not like this this franchise what we were, were gonna see is when universal what they started doing was taking the characters once they start having multiple franchises and when they bring them together like when dracula meets or uh, wolfman frankenstein meets wolfman yeah um right house of frankenstein and house of dracula and and the yeah frankenstein meets the wolfman and those those ones there's uh that's awesome as a kid i just loved all those it wasn't just one monster you're getting all these monsters you know yeah right so this franchise uh really is one of those ones that it still keeps on going these are characters we still see being redone you know today and uh let's see well that's that's a a great storytelling that's a testament to a great book and a great storytelling yeah and 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 picking on those things that I, i think that we talk human nature, you know, and we can all relate to that. It's humanistic. So. I'm going to regret bringing this up, but I did see Andy Warhol's Frankenstein, yeah. and I think he did a Dracula too. He did Dracula, he did. right? Yeah, right. Uh, and I watched them both, but don't ask me what I thought because that was a long time ago. You were drunk. Right. It was like three days ago, but no, right. a long time in blood letters, <laughs> blood letter years. Right. Well, Andy Warhol's Frankenstein, those were rated X. Um, yes. And they weren't, they weren't that terribly <laughs> horrible. No. I mean, they're, they're not good movies. I've seen them, no, but, not, yeah. but there's some, you know, a couple of great lines because it's got Udo Kier as Dr. Frankenstein. Yes. To no <laughs> life, Otto, you must fuck death in the mm. <laughs> You know, <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah so right uh, right and i remember those here, coming to the drive-in theater yeah. on the weekends you know are you a virgin yeah um for the, for the <laughs> any world's dracula i'm right. a wop here yeah you virgin <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> right it's like oh come on okay i don't regret it you yeah didn't just, ask me anything about and it and you know go, all about it go paint your soup cans andy warhol <laughs> um yeah frankenstein is compared to Dracula, I think is a much more compelling movie. It's, it still has the slow build, but th- there is more to it. And I think because the, the character of the creature, the monster has a lot more depth to it than Dracula has been portrayed, you know, That's and over time, cast. I mean, the cast. and the casting is great. You know, you really, yeah. you can't beat it. And Gene then when, well, the great director. Oh right yeah. Now. Yeah. And when you, when you see the sequel, which I think is the superior film. I think it may be the best, one of the best that Universal has ever done. Then you're going to see the 
creature kind of take on different dimensions and and the filmmaking just actually get better you know bringing a little bit of humor a lot of pathos you know mm. and some things that um, boris karloff did not want which we will save for when we discuss that sure. blood letter do you have anything more to say about frankenstein no i, I do in a second here hold on give me a minute <laughs> where are you at oh she's changing costumes Oh, okay. changing costumes. Yes. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah. Uh, How apropos for the show. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Let me change into my costume. Hold okay. on. Okay. There. But yes. Why uh, can't we uh, be in the changing room, blood letter? Oh, oh, friend. Good. <laughs> Good. Smoke. Good. Yeah. Nice. So I love. Nice I, I do. He's my. He's my favorite. He really is. You love Frankenstein? Yeah. yeah. I do. Why is he your favorite? Tell us. Um, because, well, just because you know, he's he's. You remember what, back in another podcast when I told you I like my men slow and my cars <laughs> cars fast. fast. Yes. He is slow, uh, so I right. can you know I can train him of how I want him to be, and uh, you know. Well, how slow do you want? I mean. <laughs> You know, he's strong. I'm a, I'm a quick hitter. So. You know, I once looked at 50 he pounds. Could, he could pick me up and throw me in the pool. Like I'll throw all day long. This <laughs> is awesome. You know? Okay. So. Well, I, I've got a pool. I mean, it's a big pool, but I'll throw you in. <laughs> <laughs> so. Bounce my face off the bottom. Right. Yes. Well, what? Uh, and last words with the break. <laughs> Not off your bottom. Off oh, the bottom I was going to say, fire away, fire in the hole. Hands up. <laughs> any, any last words on uh, Frankenstein? I have to say is just you identify as the outcast because once you were one yourself, you identify as what it's like mm-hmm. and you get it. And I think that's what makes it so appealing. It keeps continuing to make films after all these years. Excellent. Love letter. Any last words for Frankenstein? No, I think you know. I think um, it's one of the my favorite Universal ones, um, along with the Mummy, which we'll get into. But yeah, um, he's just a lovable character. That old that scamp, that <laughs> rascal. <laughs> well, I love him. Just uh, keep him away from the kids, right? That's right. Yeah. Well, um, unless you know how to swim, then it's a good time. Right. Yeah. Okay, then. Yeah. And we got a small pool. So if he wants to try it over here, <laughs> the pool's not too deep. Probably the kids are probably not going to drown in the turtle pool. <laughs> yeah. So, well, next uh, in our final movie for today, we're, you know, we're working through some of the Universal's best um, The Mummy, 1932, um, directed by Carl Frund who um, also you might know, he also photographed Dracula. He was the cinematographer for Dracula. Um, and, yeah. 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 And he also did Metropolis, which oh, wow. yeah, Sid, Sid uh, or Fritz Lang's Dra- uh, Metropolis, which is a staggeringly beautiful film. I mean, just mesmerizing in the special effects. And uh, again, a great science fiction work. And um Oh, you have a you have a mummy costume now, Blood Letter. You keep on. You're like Vanna White <laughs> or Cher. You're like Cher, changing oh, that's right. that's costumes. Right. That's right. We can watch. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, we can watch. Hey, that's right. We got we got time. I don't. Think <laughs> we got lots of time. Yeah. No, this one this one's going to be very basic, I guess, because I don't okay. really. I don't. I didn't have anything really planned for the mummy. That's okay. I lied. Yeah. Just wrap yourself up for it's like a little Christmas okay, there, like that. See, this nice. is about as good as oh, this is about. I like that. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> kind of goes like Mommy Chainsaw Massacre, right? Combo. Hey, you got no. the whole vibe going. <laughs> hey, I think it's great. Right? That's that's wonderful. Great. We're gonna get five thousand views on this. I tried. I tried. Blood Letter does three costume changes in the <laughs> most exciting. For the first time, having a whole yeah. We have Mummy 1932. <laughs> now just wrap your whole self in it. That's what's going to be really good. I was like, some of the fa- I bought that kind of fabric when I was shooting Quest for Uranus. It was it's about that thin. Yeah, and it was about that thin, but I didn't think any of the Uranusians would wear that for a costume. <laughs> um, no. No. Unless you wear it first. If you wear it, 
I have no problem being naked. See? Just no one else wants to see it. I don't even want to see it. I'm like the guy at the end of the, at the end of the man, you know, X, the man with the X-ray eyes. I just if thine eye offend yeah. me, pluck it out. You know. So, <laughs> so Boris okay. Karloff returns um, in the Mummy, and he plays the Mummy, one of the few okay. actors who played more than you know one monster. And this right. Mummy is is a little different than what you're probably expecting from what what has becomes to be known as the mummy where he plays this a mummy named Imhotep and he's discovered by a team of archaeologists yes very nice cat and um he's then he he kind of is brought back to life through a magic scroll and then he becomes this egyptian named Ardith Bay and he searches for his lost love the reincarnation of his of his dead wife um, played wonderfully by Zita Johan, who's uh, kind of uh, yeah, she's she was very, a staple on a lot, a lot of films as well. Yeah, she's she's That's great right. in this film. She definitely looks like a product of her time, the thirties. You know, the, her costumes. This because it is set in the era in which it was shot definitely has that Art Deco look. The dress. I love movies from the early thirties. It's my favorite era of films, <laughs> and I I really just. I love this movie. The look of this Hey, maybe film. I could do that. I got like some of my grandmother's dresses and they are that art deco. Yeah. Style. Are you going to change cool. now? Bring it. <sighs> no. Bring it on. We still got to do a swords episode too. I got to show you all my swords. Bring your costume. <laughs> I'll bring my sword. I have a costume somewhere. <laughs> um, yeah. I know I, I have a sword. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the cast well, is fantastic. Yeah, getting off track. Go, go ahead. Go on, see the Johan. Um, and then other, you know, Noble Johnson is in it, a great early African-American uh, actor. Yeah. Um, you got uh, Bramwell Fletcher as, as Ralph Norton and David Manners as Frank Wemple. But we have this gorgeous film. You see Karloff, this mummy wrapped up only in the beginning. Uh, once he becomes Art of the Bay, He's just kind of got this face that looks very dehydrated and emasticated. And then he tries to perform the ceremony on his princess Anksanamen is her name. He wants to bring her back to life and tries to, through his magic, seduces her, kind of like hypnotizes her. And almost when he gets ready to plunge the knife into her, they're rescued and the the scroll of life uh, is a flash. It sets the scroll of thought on fire. That's what yeah. it is. And it just crumbles the dust, you know, and that's, that's how this mummy ends, you know, finds his end. But since you just watched this blood letter, yes. again, uh, what do you, what were your thoughts? What uh, tell us about what you think? I actually, I, I, I really love the movie because I like the whole, you know, like the curse and, you know, when they find the artifacts and they open it up and it's a box in another box in another box. Mm-hmm. And then they find the scroll and it says death, eternal punishment for anyone who opens this casket. And they open the casket anyways. But yeah. I really love how, you know, the mummy escapes and then he comes back to the researchers and he's like, hey, guys, you know. I can't unbury it, but I know where this other tomb is where you'll find these great riches and all these artifacts, but for religious reasons, I can't, I can't do it, but let me, let me point you in the direction. It's over there. (laughs) You just start digging right there. And they did. And they dug up his wife, you know? And so, you know, gets that party started. And I just love how he conned him into doing that. You know, he's a, he's Mm -hmm. a thinker, the mummy. Yeah. He's got a good head on his shoulders. I okay. wish that one of my regrets, I wish Karloff could have kept in the makeup, the, the mummy at the beginning. I, I just, that's fantastic. I just wish mm-hmm. they would have continued that throughout. That was one of my, my biggest gripes with it. Other than the story, it's a classic, classic, uh, you know, romance slash revenge kind of, mm-hmm. you know, story. It's a romance uh, movie that was also echoed. I mean, we've seen this repeated, this theme and, repeated in other versions of the mummy including the one with brendan Fraser. yeah and we also oh, have this this oh no oh it's so much fun it's a yeah it's fun. It's um, a i like brendan Fraser. i actually yeah. i actually emailed him and invited him to be a guest oh, on our show yeah. we see this theme also in 
the Dracula movies, the modern version, Bram Stoker's Dracula, yeah. looking for the reincarnation of his dead wife, you know, Mina. So there's this kind of carrying on this romantic. It's very romantic in that regard. There's a lot of romance in that regard. And I like you, brother, I, letter. I like the magical aspect because this mummy does a lot with like magical spells and things like that, that you don't really ever see in future versions of the mummy, you know, never again does his until basically the remake with Brendan Fraser, where the mummy does all kinds of things that are, you know, shapeshifter and causes storms and all kinds of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I liked that aspect of it. I liked that it was set in 1932. So that you have this kind of modern sensibilities. And I liked how he plays Ardeth Bay, this manipulative character that gets these British guys to do what he needs to get done. You know, like that's, I love everything about this movie um, and it's short, like what hour and 20 minutes, blood letter, something like that. I mean, it's a short movie. It's not an yeah. hour and 45. I can tell you that <laughs> it's pretty short. <laughs> yeah. It's like hour 20, you know, Yeah. it's 73 minutes. And it's all storyline, yeah. you know, because yeah. you get to learn, you know, how did, how did this guy die and become a mummy in the first place? You know, I'm not going to give that away because maybe I don't quite remember full details. <laughs> <laughs> gotta well, watch it for yourself it also, tell you <laughs> it also shows the versatility of Karloff as an actor no, I mean just right. wow I mean, again under heavy makeup but at least he has words right you know? and I and do like that Montag that dehydrated look that he does have is our, you know just like okay as time's going on it's getting worse and worse there's a I love purposeful it. timeline with that yeah, yeah. there's a great great shot of him with the, the lighting is really effective you know um on his face you know it's it's a uh, really really well crafted film it's very efficient all these movies are i think the longest one maybe runs 90 minutes but right. they typically made them short because they usually showed multiple features at the movie theater you know you would get shorts and you might get some cartoons you might get some newsreels and you get like Cereals. two full length yeah two serials two full length movies you know, for a nickel, but it, it too was wildly popular, but the films that come after it, cause it takes a long time for the film. The next, the next sequel isn't come till eight years later with right. the mummy, mummy's hand. And by that time, the mummy switches over to the wrapped bandage mummy. And the, the whole concept uh, is changed. The plot. It's not, you know, um, Imhotep. Maybe not as effective. Yeah. It's Karas. They changed to Karas, and that's Karas. how you know, yeah. right? And with the they bring in the whole idea of the tana leaves and all those things. Those move. Those what movies would just relegate him to be this kind of slow, shambling, murderous kind of creature, which is what Hammer borrows. You know, in a very oh, yeah. sweet mm-hmm. way, we'll very that, creepy, that which we will get to. Definitely doing that one. That's a yeah. hands up movie for me. Uh huh. <laughs> you were saying something, Chop. No, no, I, I just think you're, you're, you're right. It kind of changed that whole path, that whole, uh, that romanticism, everything with that sequel, and it just continued to do that. It kind of diluted what it was really about from the beginning. But yeah, I, I like those sequels too. You know, some better than others. Course, yeah, toward the last one, I th- half, uh, of is, half of the movie is um, rehashed stock footage from the other movies. Right. It's like it's like. Because I remember watching them at your house, but we were watching them like, my God, this movie is only 70 minutes long and 40 minutes of it is, is like, well, this was what happened in the other four movies before (laughs) this. Let's see. And I'm like, Jesus, when's the movie going to start? You know, (laughs) because they were like making money hand over fist and like, "Ah, we don't want to spend any money. Let's make a cheap mommy movie. Yeah. Wrap some guy in bandages. Good enough. Throw him out there. (laughs) You know, write a 10 page script. Go. You know, I wish I know. I know Universal is also guys. Uh, they've attempted in the last ten years to do or five ten years uh, the Dark Universe, and they want to bring back all the classic monsters. I, you know, obviously a different topic. We'll get to another point. Yeah. But I, I thought, you know, out of all of them, the, the werewolf, the Wolfman was uh, their best. Uh, the Mummy. I don't even comment about that one. Uh, well, they tried I, to put too much together at too many times. They took it from the later area, uh, era Universal films where you had all these characters too much. And what they tried to do with that Tom Cruise one, The Mummy, you got, you, got, you got Dr. Jekyll, you got The Mummy, you got, you know, 
you're putting it all together and it didn't make sense. Well, they were trying to do the Avengers setup because they're running to introduce this dark universe and having them all there like, oh, Dr. Jekyll. Um, But from what I gather, from what I've heard a lot about that production is that it was going in one direction until Tom Cruise showed up. And the only reason why he got on the board is because they gave him final say and creative control over the movie superseded Ooh. the director producer because he's tom wow. blood that'll no. kick your ass tom that's <laughs> um, <no>. right <laughs> you know yeah. I, I i got a little sidetracked there guys but i thought you know i was no, like you're right. man of, of all things i really really want to see that succeed in the right yeah. hands and stuff. I, and, I i knew it wouldn't just because they're gonna fuck things up because Hollywood does, because they have to make it bigger and more special effects. Like special effects will keep the movie. We'll make it good. Like no, it doesn't. It's fucking story. We'll make a movie good. Now, great special effects will enhance a good story, but they're not going to make up for a lack of story. You know, right. if, if you're just going to crank out some bullshit story and put out like, was it 2012 about the disasters or any fucking sci-fi channel movie that is about <laughs> anything? It's you know, you know where where special effects supersede story star wars episode one um <laughs> you know then you're gonna have a problem and that's that's what universal was struggling with like they wanted to imitate what the avengers did i like the concept sure why not but i just thought you're also gonna really tamper with some of the best m- movies that have ever been made ever made not just in the horror genre but if you know in film in you know, cinema history and you're gonna ruin them you're just gonna ruin them by trying to do it again just like the remake of dawn of the dead the remake of poltergeist the remake of halloween the remake of the fog it's like they've all failed miserably because guess what you can't improve on it on these greats but i think the reason why they're doing it one they probably have to do something with the titles just to keep them in copyright two they probably are thinking that someone who's older than 20 or younger than younger than 30 is never going to see a movie from the 1930s. You know, they're like, Oh, we got to appeal to these tweeners right. and these TikTokers. We got to do this age group right here. Yeah. Yeah. We, those, those tweeners have a lot of money to spend. So let's make a scary PG 13 mummy movie Ugh. and let's put in the biggest star. Uh, Tom Cruise. He's big. Yeah. Choose him. You know, let's put him on total control as well. Oh. Yeah. Give him control of everything. And it, this is what happens. Your movie is going to become a clusterfuck. Yeah. It, you don't need much. You, know, you, you can't improve upon perfection. You can't improve upon perfection you know? those universal films. Just, I mean, the mummy is what it, it is. You don't need a big sandstorm. It's pretty scary. But they're also thinking, well, in today's age, in the modern age, Ardeth Bay, is he's not going to do anything. The, or the mummy walking around in bandages. Like, someone's going to get him. They're just going to light him on fire. You know, you have to have something bigger than what people can do today, and that's why they remake these things. But it, as a as someone who's grown up with these movies and has been a fan, like all of us have, it, there's no point in these remakes. You know, there's just nothing. There's nothing they can bring that's going to do anything better than what's I, already I been done. You sound like a bunch of old people. Like... Back in our day. <laughs> well, I that's do like right. The, <laughs> I do like the Wolfman with Benicio del Toro. That's really that well done, awesome. right? That is, that yeah. is good. That one was well done. Yeah. Uh, I heard they they had a lot gonna... of problems in production, a lot of other yeah. issues, but man. It and looks good. Favorite now. It's, it's, so. it's, it, it is faithful to the source material right? in a way that feels faithful. It is updated, but it feels faithful. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to work our way through Universal, kids. And these first three, if you've never seen them, you really deserve. You deserve it. Treat yourself to see these movies, and especially as Halloween's coming up. And there are a ton of these great Universal horror movies, and uh, you can't go wrong. You know, but if you're going to watch them, start with the first one, work your way through, work them through chronolo- you know, chronologically. I think that's the most joyous because uh, as we're going to find out in our next installment, we're going to get into some of these other movies coming up. Uh, yeah, they're just they're just fantastic movies. So around October 2nd at some of the theaters, they're going to start showing Dracula and Frankenstein, the original universals. Nice. And um, oh. Then after that, you'll get an exclusive tour of the Universal Studios black, uh, back lot. Oh, so, so is that Universal Studios then? Or is it like a, a tour, like virtual tour? 
it'll be like a virtual tour, I think, after the oh. movie, after they play the movie oh, cool. in the if, theater. So there, so look for it at your local theater. You know, no, 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 I, I would, great. I would go. I've never seen them in a in a on the big screen. Right. I know when I saw Godzilla, you know, Gojira on the big screen when it was remastered and stuff. That was really quite an experience. Um, seeing these films that I'd always watched on television. But on the big screen, that was great. And especially if it's a remaster cut and it's gorgeous Ooh. and clean and oh, I, I would totally be all that's a popcorn. I'm, I'm up for that, man. Yeah, let yeah. us know. Yeah, I'm up for that. Well, yeah, and then they were gonna do a double feature October 30th of the Invisible Man and the Wolf Man. Hmm. And then uh, September 26th and Wednesday, September 29th is Carrie 45th anniversary, October 7th, Evil Dead. 40th anniversary. I saw Evil Dead on the big screen. Oh, nice. October yeah. 10th and 11th, the Scream 25th anniversary. I found this off of Fathom events, so I don't know. Okay. okay. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Well, good to know. I'm glad they're kind of bringing these, these movies out. You know, but uh, Turner Classics is going to show them, AMC, you know, probably IFC is going to show these stuff, Fox movies. So, the lights comes around. Time of yeah. the year. It's going to be great. So, awesome. All right. Any last words before we check out of here? Well, this has been Montag, Master of Illusion. And Chop goes Top. Up, must come down. Well, that's the intro. <laughs> the extra on song. the way out, I don't say all of it. But you can do a blood letter. And blood letter. No, I like it when you say say all of it. Go ahead. Blah, blah. blah listen, yeah, do, do us do our outro for us all. You have been listening to Montag, Master of Illusion. What goes up must come down, but not always. And you've been listening to Chop Top. He's the top of the tops. And then me, Blood Letter. Let me in for your blood. I want to say your blood. Goodbye. Good night. Adios. Vamos. You have been listening to Heavy. This is Doug Helbring, and you have been listening to Heavy Metal Horror, the best podcast that you've never heard before. <laughs>